Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when it's football and football is over. God help us, but here's the last episode. But even though football season's gone, the game's not gone. My bookie always lets you get in the game because games are always better. When you're putting money on it, sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team, the Steelmen. Regardless whether you've been betting for years or if you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. If you're the kind of guy who likes to win a lot by just betting a little, you can try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. We do it. Dad and I might be able to recap you on how well we did on the prop bets for the Super Bowl, which is really the entire betting goal of the Super Bowl is prop uh, prop bet-based. We didn't end up betting on the Gatorade, did we? But that was a shocker. Either way, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code C-H-A-I-R chair to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. done throughout the playoffs, the Kansas City football Chiefs overcame a 10-point deficit, scoring 21 straight points to eventually overwhelm the San Francisco football 49ers, bringing home the city's first Super Bowl victory since 1969. Mm. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. <laughs> this is going to be a rough one. <laughs> February... 3rd, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios at the Washington, D.C. Outpost. And as usual, Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And we are so glad for the second week in a row to have P. Butch joining us from the auxiliary D.C. Outpost. I was sorry I couldn't make it last week. Hey, we missed you, but I was happy to step in and I'm happy to be back. So, uh, you know, to commemorate the last weekend of football, it feels good to talk about it with you all. It's actually probably a good thing that, uh, the Steelers, well, it's never a good thing that we're not covering the Steelers the day after a Super Bowl, but we probably wouldn't be here. We'd all still be drunk uh, due to the victory, and if for some godforsaken reason they lost the Super Bowl, we wouldn't be here because we'd all we'd be, be drunk or dead or worse. So obviously the big news is the Super Bowl, which we will cover. Uh, we're also going to talk about Troy's election to the Hall of Fame, but first, Nick, you alluded to this. Which of you guys made bets on the Super Bowl? Uh, I did. Go for it, Pat. Sorry. I, no, I was going to say, I did not. Um, 
I have bet once in my entire life. It was in 2014. I bet $600 that the uh, Oregon Ducks would blow the doors off of Andrew Luck's Stanford Cardinal. And uh, I won that bet handily and have not gambled since. Wow, you're ahead. (laughs) You're playing with house money. But if I would bet again, it would be through my bookie, obviously. Well, you're an intelligent man of stature and taste, so of course <laughs> that makes total so sense. So how much money did Las Vegas lose on that Gatorade bet because everybody was counting on that being Kobe Purple? Yeah, that Great. I we decided not to bet on the Gatorade, right, just because we had heard the rumors about Kobe. But I said out loud to one of my buddies over the weekend, well, really the morning of the game, I said, um, I like we like doing the prop bets and all that kind of stuff particularly through my bookie it gets a little dangerous when you're betting like game to game um when you're betting you know big money but i told him if i was ever gonna make a big money bet i think this is the best occasion to do it just because i was rooting for kansas city i like pat mahomes i don't want san francisco to equal the steelers in super bowl titles uh, but I was shocked that they gave us the line of having Kansas City be favored, which just seems like a reflection of Vegas realizing general public is going to see, oh, great quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. We're going to make that's who people are going to put their money on. And I just thought it was such a good bet uh, to put money in the Niners. So I said, oh, man, today maybe I'll put 800 bucks on it. Well, thank God I didn't. But I we have so much to say here and only a limited amount of time. So, Pat, what do you think? There's a couple things that stand out to me initially. What's like the first thing that stands out to you about the game? How the Chiefs were able to overcome a sort of lackluster start and get their third consecutive double-digit comeback to complete uh, the Super Bowl run? Yeah, what said to me, I remember I texted you at halfway through uh, just saying this is a bad game because it was a weird game to me, you know, because neither offense really ever clicked. It felt like the 49ers could have run on them the entire time. Yeah. They averaged around seven yards a carry. But for whatever reason, Jimmy Garoppolo threw 31 passes. And um, it, it just seemed like a game that played exactly into San Francisco's hands from the standpoint of they had a 10-point lead in the second half. We have a strong running game and a defense that can rush the passer. I know the Chiefs at Mahomes, but – Never did he find his rhythm. You and I were talking, Nick, that yeah. even when he was completing balls, that he wasn't hitting guys in stride. And so he never, in my opinion, got in a groove. The hurry-up offense helped. It's something that, and I can't remember if I mentioned this in the pod, but I know I mentioned this to you, that I thought the Chiefs should have done hurry-up to begin, just to get Mahomes in a rhythm and to wear down those San Francisco pass rushers. Yeah. But really what stood to me was you know, the San Francisco overall game plan. Um, which is having Jimmy Garoppolo pass 31 times. Everyone thought that was the key for the Chiefs to win, was to put the ball in Garoppolo's hands. And uh, I thought his I, – I was happy the, the 49ers lost because had they won, Garoppolo's stats early on before he began, began had to, having to throw the ball seemed great. High completion percentage, but all of his passes were to wide-open receivers. Yeah. And um, – I don't know. I guess I was shocked at the, at the 49ers overall game plan. And then I was happy to see Garoppolo wilt like a flower in the rain as he eventually did. Yeah, we said it the whole year. That's what was going to happen. And it doesn't surprise me at all that it did. Now, I'd have to go back and rewatch the game to see how well the 49ers ran the ball initially. Because you're right. If you look at the stats, they actually had a pretty solid average. And um, 
excuse me, it seems like in any of these prior games, as long as they just commit, maybe it's not like Green Bay when every single solitary carry was going for five plus yards, if not 40 yards, but it did seem like they were able to run the ball. Each team kind of had one drive where they looked like themselves. I think the Niners had one drive in the middle there where they had five or six straight 10-yard plays just knocking off first downs and nonstop, a couple 10-yard runs and everything like that. It is – but here's the rub because everyone blames uh, – there's people blaming Kyle Shanahan for the loss, and he definitely wasn't uh, perfect. And, you know, them playing it close to the vest at the end of the first half was the most shocking one where they were tied at 10-10. They force the – Chiefs to punt with like 147 left, and then he lets the clock run all the way down. And I'm yelling at the TV, like, "What are you? You're losing 40 seconds here." You and I have talked about this a lot. Sometimes people think, "Oh, I want to have more timeouts for when I'm on offense," but you got to do some simple math. If you're letting 40 seconds run off the clock, it's like, how long does it take for you to run a hurry up snap? Especially when you already have, you know, two other timeouts that would be left over. What is it, 12 to 15 seconds to get another playoff? So you could get at least three other plays off in the time that you let expire. So I'm thinking this is weird. Then he runs the ball two consecutive times um, just to run the clock out. And then they hit like a 30-yard pass play, and they're thinking, oh, crap, we could have scored some points here. It was just so weird to see a team in the Super Bowl get the ball back, three timeouts, tie game, second quarter, 147 left to play, and to not really play to win. So that's the big thing for Shanahan. But my thing with Garoppolo is that when you he's watch... A bum. He's a He is a bum. He really is. When you watch the replays, and they're all over Twitter, you don't need to look at the replay. You could have seen it on, on live TV. So many of the plays, the second and third downs that he didn't complete, they're wide open one-read throws to George Kittle, who's uncovered, and the guy can't even throw the ball to him. So I would have to go back and look at maybe the Chiefs were able to stop. I mean, they definitely were able to stop San Francisco's run game more than the the prior two teams they face had, the Vikings and the Packers. But, um, yeah, I don't know. They just... They just crumbled, and to me, Garoppolo is a huge part of that. Missing Emmanuel Sanders on that deep post route at the end of the game. Of course he did. Um, not being able to complete passes to literally wide-open receivers on second and third and five. And then, yeah, and then if you give Mahomes too much time, Mahomes' version of a bad game is pretty much anyone else's good game, and he won the game at the very end. He did a great job by the end, even though he didn't look comfortable for even a single moment throughout the whole game, in my opinion. Which was odd. You thought because, you know, I've said all year, and I've told you this, that I don't think since week three the Chiefs have been the Chiefs since pre- last year. Even right. – I said this last week, week on the podcast. Um, and, but they've always had, like, flickers of, the, of, the, of last year's team. And they didn't, in my opinion, at any point. I think clearly Mahomes was unsettled all game. And, yeah. But – they still put up 31 points. That's the thing. And I thought that some a lot of it was Mahomes. It did remind me of, you know, seeing some other big quarterbacks playing big games like that. Um, they were also calling a lot of plays that were sort of um, designed throws, if you will. But I, I honestly don't think that that was that bad of a game plan. At first I was kind of saying, like, why don't you just unleash him? And I do agree with you. It would have been interesting to see what – what Kansas City could have done if they just unleashed Mahomes earlier. But 
that pass rush for San Francisco was as good as everyone thought it was, and they were getting there every time. And all these plays where Pat Mahomes has been crushing teams recently, where he scrambles out to the right, gets the sideline, and either runs or makes a long throw. You know, Bosa and Ford, these other guys, they were able, Armstead even, they were able to string him out and either push him out of bounds, force a throw away, or absolutely crush him. And the thing is, since you only score 20 points on offense when you're the Niners, by the fourth quarter, that pass rush was not nearly as fast. And that's when you saw the the Chiefs really light it up. I think Mahomes' stats after the second interception, it, I, I wish I could pull them up, but it was crazy. It was like 12 of 14 for 130 and two touchdowns or something like that. Yeah, well, I think... Just he well, they didn't start to wear the pass rush down, and he didn't start to look good until seven minutes left in the game when they went to the hurry up offense, which is something again I advocated for from the start, just to wear down that the San Francisco pass rush, and it's something I thought maybe the Niners should have done. You know, I I referenced the Oregon bet I put uh, back in 2014 or 2013. That's right. And part of me thought that Niners should have done that. Go to an Oregon style. Chip Kelly type of offense and just hurry like lightning fast paced and maybe the Chiefs stay with you and can stuff your run early on but when it gets to the later portion of the game the second half then they're dead tired and you just gash them over and over again it was yeah, yeah. I don't know I'm just happy Garoppolo lost me too Okay, so Pat, I don't know if we actually had a little technological difficulty right there. I hate that phrase, but no use in explaining it. We were talking about how the 49ers pass rush clearly seemed to get tired by the end of the game and where Patrick Mahomes, you know, he seemed tight the entire or he really seemed tight the entire game until the very like last six minutes. And I think we always say this with Ben and these guys who are who are artists throwing the football, not these nerds like Brady <laughs> Rivers <laughs> these these you throw the check down no we're yeah. talking about men who sling the ball downfield you need to hit one of those deep passes to sort of like knock the saran wrap I've noticed um, and to get the confidence you need and I just kept saying that with Mahomes and he needs to just hit a deep one or two in a row so he knows like oh okay here's what we do I fade back in the pocket Instead of stepping up, I just keep drifting back, and then I throw a 90-mile-per-hour piss missile down the field to Tyree Kill, and we score touchdowns. But that never happened. But I don't necessarily think that it was all the fault of Mahomes and the play calling, even though I do think both seemed a little conservative. I think part of it is also that that pass rush was unbelievably ferocious, and they definitely wore down by the fourth quarter. Now, so you were saying that the Chiefs should have maybe run some hurry up earlier in the game to force that defense to tire out more quickly. And then you were even saying that the Niners should have run some of that. Yeah, as well. I just think that uh, I was such a huge proponent. And I know Chip Kelly didn't succeed in the NFL. But when you have speed on your team, no, he did not. you can wear down another team's defense and pass rush by keeping them on the field. And then just running a, a mass amount of offensive plays. It also gets your in your, your offense in rhythm. Rhythm, you know, your quarterback can kind of call mm-hmm. plays to his liking that he feels comfortable with. Um, and I think yes, the Niners' pass defense wore down in the fourth quarter. But I think it's not a coincidence that it also showed its wear and tear when Mahomes finally went to the hurry up offense. I don't think it's a coincidence either that Mahomes started to look good now. 
Garoppolo will never look good because he stinks. He's a bum. No, and you know what? So I've, I've heard some people t- say. <laughs> you don't like him because he's friends with Brady. I just, I just really, hate I just people who. Uh, I hate quarterbacks and players who it's just generally accepted that they're really great and nobody stops to question and ask why or look at maybe yes, they're a product 100%. of a really good system. Oh, hey, grapple through eight passes in the conference championship. Maybe I could have done that and also won the conference championship against the Packers. Like me, five foot seven, Patrick Butcher. Yeah. No, you could do it. You, you can you can chuck them, but exactly that's why I think it's hilarious that for some reason the uh, the like Shanahan for whatever reason gets all of the blame for this Falcons Super Bowl, even though there's a defense that gave up 25 freaking points in basically one quarter, and in so, simultaneously here, like we can post some of the uh, Chris Sims posted some of the stills. You know, he posted a bunch of. Um, videos of the replays and I was screaming it while it was happening. I remember one of the third and fives, uh, San Francisco came out with a trips, three receivers out to the right side, Kittle being one of them and saying before the play started, say, okay, they're going to run a pick for Kittle because it's trips. All you're trying to do is bunch everybody up and they're going to throw the ball to the very best guy. Sure enough, they did. He's wide open and he can't even hit him. And like for, if this were Ben, he would, would 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 Feetner be getting any criticism at all by the national media? No. People will be massacring Ben for choking or whatever, or Rogers for choking. But if it's, you know, there are some people who, it's just weird how these narratives shift. I guess it's because people acknowledge that Shanahan kind of is the main man in that Atlanta equation, even though they had a lot of stars, and in the San Francisco equation. But um, I guess, let's see if we can get some sort of, uh, a flow to talk about some other things. What about Patrick Mahomes in general? I know we've kind of touched upon it um, initially, but what do you think about Mahomes' ability uh, to win that Super Bowl? What do you think it means for him winning at this age and the fact that we both agree that they were underwhelming offensively and they scored 31 points on a phenomenal defense, the number one defense. It was defense funny. League, I, I, really. When I was writing down some notes last night, I was trying to think of um, – other times, youngish quarterbacks have won that first Super Bowl. You know, know one. one, and then people, you know, analysts, and you know the media saying this is the beginning of a dynasty from the standpoint of like repetitive Super Bowl appearances. And the one that comes to mind is like Aaron Rodgers, right? Uh, Brett Favre. They said that about him. Nope. Um, I, Russell Wilson has been to two. But Mahomes is clearly one of the top five quarterbacks, clearly arguably the best quarterback, probably the best quarterback. Um, I heard some people saying he's the only one who could have led them back, led a team back against the Niners defense last night. I I think that's blatantly not true. Russell Wilson did it twice, even though, you know, it was a delayed game that didn't allow him to win the last game. I think, you know, Rodgers with a good supporting cast could do it. So I don't think Mahomes is alone there. Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, and like getting back. Well, to to your question, I think the Chiefs are in a prime position because for the first time with a vacuum potential in the AFC, with the decline of Tom Brady and the Patriots, who will still be there, but there's uh, there's not that uh, perennial uh, champion that you have to knock out every year. So I think the Chiefs could could take it, and I don't see why you couldn't say it's Mahomes, but I'm not willing to say they're going to be in the Super Bowl every year. 
No, of course not. The, the def- They're going to uh-huh. lose some guys soon here. I mean, Mahomes is about to get paid big time. Chris Jones needs to get paid. Watkins is already making money. Who knows what they end up doing with with Hill um, and with these other guys. But they certainly have a chance to repeat. I mean, the AFC next year, it all depends on how Ben and Brady recover. You know, does, if New England gets a couple pass catchers and Brady stays, I don't see why they're not going to be totally in the mix. And the same with the Steelers. I mean, I think, honestly, the Steelers' defense might be better than the 49ers' defense because the Steelers had the worst offense in the league and constantly going three and out and surrendering field position. And the Steelers still led the league. What? It, were, they, were, they, were we first in sacks and turnovers? At least, like, top two or top three in both of them. But it's the same thing. We're just freakishly fast. And so the Steelers actually, everything rides on Ben's arm healing, which, by the way, there was uh, Ron Cook from the Post-Gazette put out an update today. Ben's going out to California to see the doctors February 21st, and hopefully they're going to be able to clear him to throw some light objects like tennis balls and stuff like that, which is, I know it sounds funny, but it is uh, encouraging. I mean, Andrew Luck before his awesome comeback season, he was throwing tennis balls. I want to say in like, it, it was like by May or something. So Ben allegedly still on schedule. Now, just for the MVP talk, I know some people are whining about uh, Mahomes winning the MVP. I, I totally disagree with the assessment that somebody else should have won it. I just think that there wasn't an, like, an impressive MVP this year, like a Nick Foles, like a slam dunk type of candidate. And also I think when everybody imagined Mahomes would be the MVP, you imagined it would be in this 350-yard, three-touchdown, no-pick Mahomesian performance, and that's not what we got. But some people are saying Damian Williams should have been the MVP, which at what point was Damian Williams the best player in the game? Damian Williams just had a good game, and he's the least famous of the Chiefs' skill position players. So he was critical to their success, but he wasn't the best player in the game. He wasn't even borderline on what a James White did for the Patriots, unfortunately, a couple years ago with his 11 catches or whatever it was. So he played well. I don't think that it's just the perfunctory, oh, we're going to give the quarterback of the winning team the the, the uh the award, obviously we know uh, there's bias against that too and San Antonio got it over Ben. But um, I think that he deserved, it's not like a slam dunk you know, MVP, but I, I don't think that there's another guy in the Chiefs I would have given it to besides Andy Reid's chef, <laughs> who's clearly feeding the, the right First of all, yeah, let me just say, can we just say good for Andy Reid? I, I made a note to say it from the outset. Couldn't be happier you finally won one. He's truly one of the best coaches the last 20, 25 years always getting his teams in the playoffs, whether it's Donovan McNabb at quarterback or um, Michael, Michael Vick, Vick or uh, Nick Foles was his guy. Alex, Alex Smith. Smith, phenomenal mm-hmm. coach. So good for him. Um, I, it's a bummer because I think in this game, the stars did not perform the way you thought they would, you know? Uh, and so I think Mahomes was probably the best pick, but by no means did he have a game that made you, in my opinion, look and go, wow, can you believe what he did? Um, right. I, f- I feel like that happens less than we think it does. I think we've had a, unfortunately, the evil empire gave us a couple unbelievable games, you know? Um, 
where like especially when they did Seahawks, Eagles and Falcons games all kind of right next to each other, you know. But I think a lot of times the Super Bowl can be a little bit anticlimactic, even though it did end up being a really good game by the end of it. I do think that was cool. And then I think Tyreek Hill even had over 100 yards. Mahomes ended up playing well. Damian Williams played well. Sammy Watkins was right around 100. I don't know where Kelsey was at, but he had the touchdown, obviously. Wide open touchdown. Nothing impressive there. And then Nick Bosa was unbelievable for them. Uh, but so like, I think they played, I just think that maybe we expected a little bit more because we'd seen these guys all go kind of supernova throughout the course of the playoffs. And it just seemed like both teams played a little scared and a little, both were a little bit nervous to lose the game the entire time until you just let Pat Mahomes hang around too often. And yeah, I agree. If you would let Russ hang around too often, or if you had let Ben hang around too often, like too long, then that's kind of how it goes. But yeah, either way, 24 years old, Pat Mahomes, MVP, really the only one who won it at that age, in my opinion, who was clearly the, the best player and the focal point of the team. Obviously, Ben, Russ, and Brady winning it young. They were um, great players on their team, but they're more complimentary to the defense. So impressive run, and it's just funny. That's just what you have to look at, Steelers fans. When you're panicking during the course of the season, it's not always the – the the season of destiny that gets you the Super Bowl run. It's not always um, when you're just killing every team. Last year was supposed to be the Chiefs' year. Last year, they were the best team in football. They were unstoppable. This year, it was this clunky thing where Mahomes gets injured. They, um, like, they're just not really impressive. Lamar Jackson emerges. Everybody's talking about the Ravens, and they just hang around. But one critical thing that did happen is, I think it's something like six out of the last... Let's see, let's like it might be like 15 of the last 16 Super Bowl participants had a bye in the first round, which they which they got in the very last week of the season. So, uh that still seems to be as critical as ever. Yeah, I think it was a um I think there have been better quarterback performances over the last several years. I'm thinking Rodgers the year they won the Super yeah, Bowl, and that was a while ago. Foles was incredible. Flores. That was such a great Super yeah. Bowl. You know, last night's Super Bowl was it was fine. It was better than last year, but it it was not the Eagles Super Bowl. Soccer was better than last year, though. Wow. That is is a low, but you're right. I think, yeah. It's a sad state of affairs, gentlemen. Even Brady's effort in the loss to the Eagles um, was incredible. To the Eagles was, was, you just saw guys throwing the ball. You know, he fumbled in the last play. Who's counting? I put that as the cover page of my math test that I gave to my seniors the following day. Just to let them all know, remind them. I had a Patriots fan in my class, and I never put cover. I never put cover pages on, and the cover really? page of the math test was Tom Brady getting sacked by Brandon Graham, and then Tom. The picture below is Tom Brady with his head down, staring at the ground as confetti mm. in green and white fell down from the skies. Oh, it was- I got that that uh, picture of him with his head down engraved onto my <laughs> headboard, my bed. I look at it before I go to sleep. Uh, I watched. Uh, by the way, I think I told you. I don't know if I told. I rewatched the highlights of the Giants beating the Patriots the second time they did it in 2011. Pretty much what fuels me day to day is Patriots mm. losses. Yeah, you don't say. 
What um, did you have anything written down there that you? I know we're kind of hodgepodge splattering all over the place, but there's just so much to talk about. Are there any points in your notes that you really wanted to get out, or that you're seeing like that we missed that maybe we should be talking about? I'm trying to think of anything in particular. I just think the main things that stick out to me are being people, uh, both teams, a little bit scared to pull the trigger and it sort of seemed uh, that uh, San Francisco was a little bit more scared and that's what lost them the game. What were you thinking, Dad? I would think that Randy Fickner needs to get needs a new to name. watch this game and watch all the motion and not just <laughs> like a, a new spelling. receiver going across. I mean, there was some really cool it, it was like these guys saved these play, plays up for the last game of the season. Assuming they'll be in the Super Bowl. Some of the motion, especially that what, what was that called? The twirl when the Chiefs were at the what, like one or two, and amazing. four guys looked like synchronized swimmers. They were perfectly synchronized. It was you, glorious. And there was a lot of motion, and not just guys going across behind the line, but like wide. And not, some of those plays didn't pan out, but just the fact they were trying them and they were taking some risks early on in the game. Uh, I, UT, I'm so glad you brought that up. That was probably for me the most fun part of the first half was when they lined up and they spinned. And I don't even know if that changed anything, but I was waiting for J-Lo and Shakira to drop, to drop down and get on the field and join them. Maybe the Seahawks wide receivers. I was like, this is fun. It was awesome. Now, they did have one like tight end or an H-back or receiver, I think, motion from left to right. So that part would yeah. have changed. Um, so that, that, that did do something. Now, the spin, I don't know. But, yeah, the, these are... Pretty much the two best motion teams in the league. I think they are, might be numbers one and two in pre-snap motion. I know that um, uh, the 49ers are, are far and away, and we've kind of preached this to the audience a little bit over the past few weeks. But you're right, Dad. Like These guys still have new plays in this week of the season. And all that does is give your quarterback an opportunity to identify what type of defense uh, is being played based on how they shift and have, how they have to react to your change in formation. And it also, um, when you, okay, how about this? The unconventional nature of both of those offenses, the, the Pat Mahomes offense is weird because when you have God incarnate on a football field, you can just do things that other teams can't. A lot of uh, rush, rush players talk about how Pat Mahomes, he actually doesn't, really step up in the pocket that often he often keeps drifting back and people aren't used to being like to getting that type of angle on him it's almost like Le'Veon playing for the Steelers the line really learned how to block for Le'Veon and I think the offensive line for the Chiefs know how to block for Mahomes who can keep fading back because it doesn't matter how far away he is from the target he's throwing it at least a thousand miles per hour Let's be realistic, and it's going to get there. Now, with the 49ers, they have, like, receivers who can who are running backs and Debo Samuel and fullbacks who are wide receivers and use check. And what happens when they do that motion behind the line of scrimmage, you have to be scared when you see Tyreek Hill for the Chiefs or Debo Samuel for the 49ers go in motion. And if you're a linebacker and they snap the ball and that guy is behind the quarterback, you have to stop for one second to consider – is this guy going to come out the back end? Okay, no, he's not. Let me go tackle the running back in the hole. But just that uh, measure of hesitation and confusion gives the offense a little bit of room to operate. Yeah, uh, going back to your, your the my bookie gambling thing you guys brought up and Mahomes dropping all the way back, yeah. I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, I think the over-under for Mahomes oh, yeah. rushing yards is 29 yards, which he had. 
prize their last possession. Yeah. And uh, he just got a little too excited about uh, going backwards before kneeling down. And uh, he lost 15 yards, and all those people lost their money. And I think Vegas came in on top there. Amazing. So. Yeah, well, that's what happens. I have a question. Yeah. Not that it matters anymore. What was the – so the play that Kittle was called for interference – how far was that? Like forty yards? I'm trying to find it. Yeah, it was in between thirty and forty. Offenses. I was going to say this in real time. That did not look like a penalty in the replay. That looked like a great call to me, honestly. Like because that is the he had his arm fully extended. Sometimes people get away with those, but Brown for the Steelers was amazing at the offensive pass interference on a go route because he would keep his body in close to the defender so when he would push off it wouldn't be with the full extension of the arm Kittle clearly prevented this guy I guess it was Sorensen he always gets stiff armed Le'Veon Bell ended his life a couple times that's what I always remember him as side note I always remember Ryan Gosling as the measly cornerback who got benched and remember the Titans and then the defense started playing well Conversely, I always remember Nick Sorensen as, I don't want to curse, Le'Veon Bell's little little friend, little friend, little stiff-arm friend. That's what he is. But, yeah, I thought that was a pass interference. I think the refs were amazing in this game. There's really nothing that stood out to me in the game. I'm glad they didn't call the Jimmy Garoppolo push out of bounds. Uh, there was even, like, a hit to Patrick Mahomes' face at one point that was like, hey, come on, don't don't call it. And they didn't. I thought that they were good. The only thing I shocking. wish they would have done what was uh, pile on Jimmy G when he got out of bounds, and actually somebody would come over and kick them. <laughs> well. Sorry. Oh sorry. Have it all. Not kick them. They fell on them. So, so, so the I'm, not a, I'm just not a fan. Just is the, the Williamson touchdown. Yeah. The William. All right. Sorry, I'm saying the wrong name. So the Williams touchdown, the five-yard touchdown he had, I mean, impossible to see on the replay, but I don't know if that was a touchdown. Not that it matters now, but what do you guys think? That leap and I think it was inconclusive. I think whatever they called, yeah, whatever they called on the field is what was going to stand. It's sort of impossible. My only opinion is that is inconclusive. I think there's an argument for both. I feel like it was a touchdown, though, honestly. That's what I felt like in real time. I was like, oh, that's close, but you got to think at least a fraction of the ball will be over the pylon since it seemed like the reach and the toe touching out of bounds at the same I time. I kind of was shocked there wasn't a better angle. I mean, a weird thing to say. Yeah. I think it was a touchdown. Actually, live, I, didn't, I did not think it was. But it did seem on the replays yeah. it put together that just, like, the very tip of the ball did, like, touch the front of the white line. So, um, right. Yeah. What else? Do we have anything else Super Bowl-wise? I was trying to think. Yeah, what do you think of... Oh, by the way, here's another story. Um, Well, never mind. We don't need to tell that story. It's just the fact that everybody's been here. Not the Jets. Mahomes was a... I didn't mean the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, Pat. Uh, um, I meant broadcasters and analysts and such talking about the Niners having the second pick the year that Mahomes got drafted. Everybody makes fun of the Bears for drafting Trubisky, as they should, over Watson and Mahomes. But can you imagine Patrick Mahomes on the 49ers? I don't think, unfortunately, anybody is ever going to break Brady's, Brady and Belichick's Super Bowl record of six Super Bowls. It's just un- 
is just insane. So much of that has to do with Belichick's ability to build a full team and a defense and manipulate the salary cap properly and just all these factors that have to come together. Um, so I think that the Chiefs have a great chance to maybe, you know, get a few, maybe get more than, well, no, because the Steelers are going to get the next three in a row. But either way, I think that the Chiefs can get a few of these together. But, man, if, if uh, Shanahan who has a great offense no matter who's playing quarterback for him, had Mahomes. That's the one scenario, The basically this guy who's maybe the best quarterback ever. I know people are going to get mad about that, but the way he plays, he you can if he keeps doing this, he'll be in that conversation. Uh, that's the closest thing I could ever think to somebody competing with that Patriots. Uh, well, thank God they – So this uh, – Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I said go thank ahead. God they drafted, I think, Solomon Thomas or – yeah. They did. Yeah. That's a good segue to my questions of the game, and I have two. Hmm. The 49ers in next year's Super Bowl, why or why not? Pat? Um, I'm going to say no, because when's the last time uh, a loser, I mean, just his, his modern history, I can't think of uh, somebody who lost a Super Bowl and came back the following year. It's hard for me to also look at – their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, and I know I beat him up, but it's hard to think of him winning a Super Bowl after what we saw yesterday, which kind of verified what I thought about him. You know, it's just weird to think of a quarterback who doesn't, who sinks under pressure winning a Super Bowl. So I think the combination of those two things, they're going to lose their defensive coordinator um, to steroids because the man needs to calm down, but also to another team. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, and in the NFC, I think it's a very, you know, it's a strong conference. You get the Seahawks. I, 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 I would put money that yeah, Clowney comes back and, you know, they'll have another year of, of Russ and, uh, DK Metcalf and, um, yeah. So I, 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 I would, if I would put money down, I would say they don't go back, but they are going to be there to stay. I'll say this, that Garoppolo to me. He's not terrible. He just falls into that middle group of quarterbacks with Andy Dalton maybe and Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins maybe at the top of that group. Um, He falls in where it's like, yeah, you can win a Super Bowl with him because, I mean, they were up by 10 points in like the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. They They were right there. But in order to win it, a lot of things need to go right rather than when you have a really good quarterback like Ben, you're going to win two out of three. And even though it's going to be hard, sometimes you're going to come against Aaron Rodgers. Like even Ben, even Brady, all these guys, like you're, Elway, you can't win them all. But uh, just winning one with an average to above average quarterback is really tough with Garoppolo. What would be insane? I Yeah, no, never. I was going to say if they could find a way to get Cousins, because by the way, they're not going to get Cousins. Double, by the way, uh, the reason why Shanahan did not draft Mahomes. One of the main reasons is because he was convinced they were going to get Kirk Cousins, which was all the talk in the media at that time while Kirk Cousins was having his difficulties with Washington and the contract situations over there. But then the Niners ended up going 0-10. It was kind of a panic, and Garoppolo became available. He's like, all right, good enough to rock and roll and plug him in there. He'll do what I say. That's what Kyle Shanahan likes. But, yeah, to be able to get back, 
I'd have to think about the teams and, and think about everything that's going on, but I, I just am becoming more and more convinced that getting to the Super Bowl is about locking up that home field advantage. And when you're in a division with Seattle and with uh, the, the Cardinals might be better, you know, I'm not saying the Cardinals are going to the Super Bowl, but when you have divisional opponents, there's chances that people can beat you and take you out of that number one and two seed. So that's going to be tough to replicate for them. But damn, they're, I think that they'll still be pretty nasty. And even if they lose Emmanuel Sanders, this draft is loaded with receivers. So um, I'm going to say, yeah, he it doesn't matter who the quarterback is there. The offense is always good for Shanahan. I'm going out on a limb. All right. So, um, Pat, we're running low on time because you have dinner waiting, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think Mary might kill me soon. All well, right, we're going to wrap. We don't want that wrap up your time. We show. won't ask about. We can ask about the Chiefs next week. Um, so we're going to let you go. It's been a pleasure looking at your right hand for the last thirty-two oh, minutes. My leg. You can yeah, do. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to say that on. I'm not showing like podcast. inappropriate skin or anything. I'm just. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. He's a modest man, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Pat, thanks for joining us. We uh, have been remiss in not having you on more shows. Obviously, your presence shadows and dwarfs mine, so we're going to have you back on many more Please shows. Please don't if ever you say that again, it. UT. This thing wouldn't happen if it weren't for you. Yeah, don't ever say that again. Somebody needed to Another turn on the on man. button every week. So. Everyone, all right, man. Thanks for uh, joining to drown us. Yourself you too can, much uh, in tears that football's over. Disconnect, but, and we'll um, send you your check. Indeed. Godspeed. Hmm. Go Steelers. Go Steelers, Adios, Butch. Adios. So Nick is is Pat leaves us, sadly. That was that was really good. Good analysis. What do you think about will the Chiefs be back in the Super Bowl next yeah. year? Okay. That takes care of that. My and votes no, are no. Because and, the black and gold are going back, baby. <laughs> no and no. We already know that. Hey, Listen, so, that that. Oh, can you hear me over there? I know that yeah. we're having some internet connections with you. That's what happens when we record in a sawdust studios, but I gotta get damn it if the audio quality isn't beautiful. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Chiefs making it again. Listen, man, they, they are awesome. And Pat Mahomes, in his second year of starting, this he's already this? Like I said, this is maybe the best young quarterback we've ever seen. Uh, Marino and Elway are the only two who really dominated at the beginning in the same way that this guy's doing. Like I said before, Ben, Russ, and Brady were good, very good, but they weren't nearly as good as they were in year eight. You know, um, So Mahomes going to be around, but I, it's just hard to win with offense every year just because if for nothing else, like a few key injuries throw the whole thing off. So it really depends on what they keep doing with their defense. I think they have some talent. Obviously, they have a couple of really good guys, but I do think – a lot of things have to come together. Um, but granted, again, it comes down to that one and two seed. And with the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders, it doesn't strike a lot of fear. So if you can dominate your division like that, they'll definitely be back in the race. But I do think uh, the Steelmen, if Ben recovers, I mean, that off the offense should bounce back. It's not going to bounce back to killer bees, but it's going to be better than the worst offense in the league, right? And then the defense, if they can continue what they're doing, they might as well be the best defense in the league, if not a top five. The Ravens and Lamar are going to be back, and if they get some weapons for Brady, I'm sorry, but the Patriots are going to be back. So 
I almost, I don't know whose route back is more difficult, but it just seems to me like San Francisco is a much more complete team. So if they could fix a few things up, then they might be right back in there. So just a quick reflection on the Super Bowl commercials. What was your overall opinion? Well, I think my opinion of them has been so low for about a decade that I'm just looking for anything. Basically, if I see an actor that I like that's on a commercial, I'm like I support it in principle. Like with Charlie from Always Sunny doing all those uh, ads about the stain on his shirt, which just totally flopped. None of them getting a single laugh. But like, hey, it's Charlie. I support it. He's great. I liked... Um, there was one that was actually legitimately good, but I can't remember it. So maybe I'm exaggerating, but I remember seeing it, stamping it, saying that was actually good. My favorite is the Jason Momoa taking off his skin and his muscles and his sexy hair and all that stuff. That's Aquaman, if you're not familiar, the big uh, beast man. He's a Steelers fan. Uh, it just shows the guy, wow, he's got a self-deprecating uh, self-awareness about him, then you, you got to like that about a man. And as you know, and probably everybody in the audience knows, I have no knowledge of pop culture. I don't think I cracked a smile the entire time. The the, uh, the moment is past. The 15 yeah. years ago, where they were laugh out loud, funny is gone. Nothing's even amusing. It's all kind of contrived. But what amazes me is they're paying, what, five and a half, five point six million million per 30 seconds I don't know how much it costs to produce these things, but you'd think they could get a comic writer to write something with some humor in it. I mean, it looks it just stupid. Okay, two things. I remember the commercial I liked, and it's the one where they're talking about parking the car over there with Chris Evans. And I always forget her damn name. It's Rachel Dratch from SNL, and they also had John Krasinski from The Office and A Quiet Place, which, by the way, I finally saw A Quiet Place. Have you seen the previews for that movie? You said you don't know any prop culture, so maybe not. Well, John Krasinski, the guy from The Office, Jim, and his wife. uh, Yeah, he's the man. Uh, Jack Ryan. His wife, Emily Blunt, they made a movie where it was John's first directing experience, and basically the conceit of the movie is they drop you in the middle of this with no context or anything, but... They're a family that's living somewhere outside the city in a post-apocalyptic type world where you can't make any noise because there's these monsters that come and kill you if you make any noise. And I always thought, oh, that looks pretty cool. And it's got John Krasinski, so I'll support it. I saw it the other week. It's a perfect movie. Highly, highly recommend. I was blown away. I thought that it would be all right. It was was magnificent. But back to my point, I actually would love to get your opinion on this, on the commercials being good, because... It's hard for me to judge because as I've become an adult, you know, in late teens and then through my 20s here, I have realized that the commercials suck and they're not that funny. And but I don't know if part of that's like, well, did they always suck? Was I just young and things were easy? It was an easier laugh for me. But it seems to me like you're backing it up that they were better. What do you even remember why or what it was? They had you were able to have a little bit more teeth maybe in that era or what the hell happened? They were funny. Okay, yeah. I agree. All right. Hey, look, we're going to do a little something different this week. I have finished a book, and I'd like to offer this as a gift to one of our Stiller's Outpost listening audience. It's called Gridiron Genius. It's written by Michael Lombardi, no relation. He has a uh, 30-year, he's worked in the NFL for 30 years. Some as a GM, he's 
worked extensively with Al Davis, Bill Walsh, and Bill Belichick. I will warn you, it's heavy on Bill Belichick, but it is fascinating. He gives you some insights. It's always fun. And uh, sort of a lot of the do's and don'ts, things that he thinks current coaches do incorrectly. And we're going to give this away to one of our listening audiences. I'm going to limit this, however, to the continental U.S. We have a few books to give away, and I, I need to maintain the budget. So here's what we're going to do. If you email us at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com, first one to give it to us afternoon, that is 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On So tomorrow is Tuesday, February 4th, right, Nick? I'm coming right. close on my stats. So tomorrow, we just want to give everybody a chance to download this and hear the podcast and hopefully listen all the way through. So first person to email us afternoon tomorrow, Tuesday, February 4th, We'll ship the green, Gridiron Genius book to you. It's a little dog-eared. I have some notes in the margins. You're going to get a little crack into my head to see how I look at these things. But please do send that to us. Now let's turn our attention to some great news, kind of expected. Troy Palomalo is elected to the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. Yep. The, what, was, what, what, what do we call it? Redundant? When we talked about it? Expected. Why do they even? Uh, yeah, why do they even vote? Oh wait, because there's idiots like Peter King out there, and I really wanted to talk to Pete Butch about this, so maybe we can get his opinion next week. Because you and I were talking about this today. Peter King, noted Steelers hater, who has said publicly that he refuses to vote any more '70s Steelers into the Hall of Fame because, quote unquote, there are too many. There are too many Steelers. I'm Peter King. That's how he talks. Actually, I've heard him on podcasts before. It's a nightmare. But, uh, yeah, he says he won't vote any more 70 Steelers in because there are too many, not realizing that uh, without free agency in that era, you could literally just hoard all the best players and it you might actually just have 10, 12 Hall of Famers on one team, as the Steelers did, which, by the way, he was proven wrong because he said that comment before... Shell was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And look, Don Shell goes into the Hall of Fame. People disagree with him. Um, so he didn't vote for Troy because he said he knew Troy was a lock to make it with the other voters. So he decided to use one of his votes um, to try and get one of the other fringe candidates like Tony Baselli into the Hall of Fame. And that he should not be allowed to vote anymore. Trying to rig the system, not voting for the best guys, and it's it's a weird display of arrogance and like ego to me. Like Peter King thinks he knows more than other people. Listen, Peter King has been in the league for a long time and he does know football, but by no means is he this. I mean, just whatever you think about him, I, I don't mind him when he's on PFT and stuff like that. It's fine. It's good for conversation and stuff like that. But I just think this further solidifies what we have talked about in the Hall of Fame and the crap and the the people that they have voting on this, maybe it needs to be a revolving committee or something because that seems legitimately corrupt to me, and I can't think of it any other way. Yeah, it feels like gamesmanship. It was a fait accompli. His vote wouldn't count one way or another, and he's going to use it for another purpose. I, I agree with you. The, the whole thing, you know, it's like a student council election. There's very little meaning. It's a popularity contest. Everybody's about himself. But I think there was another, well, I know that there was another moment in time that was voted as the greatest moment in NFL history, and that is the Immaculate Reception. 
1972 AFC Divisional Playoff game. Steelers against the hated Oakland Raiders. The Snake, Kenny Stadler, just run for a 30-yard touchdown that gave his team a 7-6 lead in the seventh inning of that football game. Hmm. The Steelers found themselves 4th and 10 from their own 40-yard line with a mere 22 seconds remaining when Terry Bradshaw drops back. He is chased out of the pocket. Somehow, maintaining poise, throws the ball downfield to a running Frenchie Fuqua who collides with Jack Tatum, and the ball rebounds off of Jack Tatum. There's no doubt about that when you look at the film again. And Franco catches the ball and runs, bounds. I say ran. He bounded. If you look at this replay again, he's like a gazelle on the Serengeti. 60 yards, capping a 13-7 win for the Pittsburgh football Steelers. Not only did it help popularize the game of NFL football to mainstream audiences by showing people how exciting it could be, but it also kick-started the greatest dynasty in the history of sports, the Steelmen. That's right. Ignore everything that I've said about the modern-day Patriots. It's the Steelmen for life. Speaking of PFT, I was talking about pro football talk a minute ago. Uh, Florio and Sims had a guest on during Super Bowl week, none other than Terry Bradshaw. And Terry Bradshaw said... Franco pointed out to him just this week that that pass was his first NFL playoff touchdown pass. Terry Bradshaw's. So Terry's first ever playoff touchdown pass is the Immaculate Reception. How cool is that? And remember, we have have yet to run this guy down, but we know the guy who has the football. We do. And we will find you. I'm not going to say it here because I don't want anybody getting to him first, but he lives, well, he has an office in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania. You cannot hide from us. And the ball is in a vault. Hopefully I get to him before he dies, but it is a cool story. So we're going to try and, uh, next time I'm up there, try to get an interview with him and hold on the podcast. Over a lifetime of misbehavior, we have developed a very specific set of skills. We will use these skills to find you. And return that ball to its rightful place on the top of Mount Olympus. Hey, so uh, we know this wasn't about the Steelers, but Nick, you did a great job of working on the Steelers at every, especially Ben, at every potential opening. So oh, it, it wasn't on purpose. Juice. It's just natural flow of conversation. I think any other good American would do the same. I try to do that at work every day, at least twice. Please continue. It's hard to work in Roethlisberger. It has no alternative meeting, so people look at you askance. We'll have to work on that alternative meeting. Thank you for joining us this week. Remember the contest. Gridiron Genius is yours. If you first person to email us at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Starting point is noon tomorrow, Tuesday, February 4th, and we'll ship that out to you. Otherwise, Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.